All right, Nick. So, um, you know, I feel like as I'm getting to the end of my fellowship, I still feel like I need to go back and remind myself about all of the general OBGYN topics as well as some primary care stuff. So how do I do that? Yeah. You know, our friends at the OBG Project actually have a new sister website that's come out called the PC Med Project or the Primary Care Med Project um, that focuses in on a lot of things from medicine that we may have forgotten and probably that our family medicine and internal medicine listeners completely remember, but they just need a better resource to be able to get those bullet-pointed summaries. Yeah, as I'm looking through this website, I see a ton of great information. It looks like they've also broken this down into specialty areas, so not just your normal alerts and things like that, but also looking at review of cancer screening, if you need to like look at some endocrine topics, even some dermatology topics. This is really great for anyone who wants to review some of your basic primary care subjects. So definitely check out the PC Med Project at pcmedproject.com. But if you're an OBGYN resident, remember too that you can get the OBG Project and OBG First as well as that resident core curriculum absolutely free heading to our website at www.creagsovercoffee.com, checking out our sidebar and getting signed up. All right, guys, welcome back. This is Faye. This is Nick. And this is Creogs Over Coffee. Coffee. All right, guys, so today we are back with another espresso episode. This is on a special request by one of our listeners. Today we're going to be talking about uterine rupture. So, um, Nick, what are our learning objectives for today? So first we're going to understand the risk factors for uterine rupture. Then we're going to talk about how we recognize uterine rupture in labor. And then finally, of course, we'll talk about the management of uterine rupture. So pretty straightforward, Faye. Um, but it's definitely not a straightforward scenario. This is pretty scary when it happens. Yeah, but absolutely. just center us, what exactly is a uterine rupture? So the definition of uterine rupture is the spontaneous tearing of the uterine muscles, which can lead to expulsion of the fetus into the peritoneal cavity. But actually in the literature, uterine rupture can also incorporate other less catastrophic phenomena. So things like, you know, finding a uterine window or potentially asymptomatic scar dehiscence without that expulsion of the fetus. Um, so today we'll mostly be talking about the former, which is that, you know, spontaneous tearing, catastrophic uterine rupture and how to manage that specifically. So before we go ahead and talk about, you know, management and how to recognize it, Nick, what's the incidence of uterine rupture and what makes it more or less likely for someone to have one? Yeah, you know, it's actually not that common. The true incidence of uterine rupture across all populations in pregnancies is pretty low. So we usually only talk about uterine rupture in the setting of prior uterine surgery. So just to frame it, with no history of surgery, again, super uncommon, the risk is 1 in 8,000 to 1 in 17,000 deliveries. However, if you have one prior low transverse cesarean, this incidence goes up. Um, the incidence is reported in the literature to be somewhere between 0.2 and 1.5%, though you'll classically see this quoted in most studies as under 1%. And then with two prior low transverse cesarean sections, this incidence is again variable in the literature between 0.8 and 3.9%, though usually as quoted in guideline documents is somewhere over 1%. So again, one prior under 1%, 
two prior over 1%. There are things that can modify this risk though. So if a patient has a history of a prior successful VBAC, this uterine rupture risk decreases significantly from around 1.1% again to 0.2%. And then other types of incisions, so the things that we think about with T incisions, classical incisions, those higher risk incisions that we think about, the rate of rupture can be, again, variable, but pretty significant, as high as 4 to 9%. We've talked about prior uterine surgery, Faye, but what else can increase the risk of uterine rupture? Yeah, so I want to highlight this portion by saying, you know, by far the biggest risk factor is having prior uterine surgery, whether that's a C-section, a myomectomy, etc. Um, otherwise, the other risk factors tend to um, contribute less to the risk, and there's a very, very long list. And so these other things include stuff like uterine anomalies, um, prior invasive molar pregnancy, history of placenta accreta spectra, malpresentation, fetal anomaly, obstructed labor, as well as induction of labor with use of prostaglandins. And like I said, these other risk factors are much less significant than having that prior uterine surgery or presence of uterine scar. All right, so we've talked about now the incidence as well as the definition of uterine rupture. So now let's move on to the big thing, which I'm sure our listeners want to know, which is how do I recognize a uterine rupture? How do I know it's happening? Yeah, so again, framing is important here. We're only going to be talking about uterine rupture in labor, intrapartum. If you go looking at the literature, you'll see several studies looking at things like thinning of the myometrium on ultrasound in the second or third trimesters. Um, but this is kind of a controversial take. Um, we won't get into that really today. It's not our role to get into that. It's not something that you're gonna commonly see. It's much more likely in your career that you're gonna encounter uterine rupture intrapartum um, than during any other time. And so this is really the point that we're going to focus on today. So we'll talk diagnosis first. Uh, the first thing you need to do is to have a high index of suspicion. Again, know your patient's risk factors, particularly if they've had prior uterine surgery before. And be on the lookout for uterine rupture given how catastrophic it can be for both mom and for baby. Some of the classical signs that were taught include a patient sensation of a sudden tearing uterine pain, a vaginal hemorrhage that you note, cessation of contractions suddenly, and then again, classically, that destationing of the fetal head or the baby's head that was once low and now is suddenly high. Even though we think of these as classical signs, though, they're not necessarily reliable and they're not always present. And this is a super common Kriag and Boards question. The most reliable presenting clinical symptom of a uterine rupture is actually fetal distress. So again, a change in the fetal monitoring. That is going to be the most reliable presenting clinical symptom you'll see. One study of 99 patients with uterine rupture showed that only about 13 patients reported pain of 99 and 11 of those 99 had vaginal bleeding, but bradycardia or decelerations were much more common occurring in almost all patients. Ultrasound exam is another thing that folks are curious about with diagnosing uterine rupture. Gosh, can I like go put a ultrasound on them and see that baby's head or shoulder or some extremity sticking out? But it's not necessarily that reliable. And if you're truly suspicious for uterine rupture, honestly, this should be prompting you to move towards immediate delivery. So um, the ultrasound shouldn't really change things. It should be like, gosh, I think this is going on. We're moving to the back. Um, but we'll get to management momentarily, Faye. 
tell us a little bit more about the importance of recognizing this promptly. Um, Cause again, maybe we don't have time for an ultrasound, right? Yeah, so the big things that we want to talk about here is that uterine rupture can lead to a lot of both maternal and fetal complications. So on the maternal side, you know, we know that the maternal circulatory system is going to deliver 500 milliliters of blood to the uterus every minute. And so uterine rupture greatly increases the risk of hemorrhage, with studies showing that about 50% of cases can result in an estimated blood loss of two liters or greater. And this can, of course, lead to things like need for blood transfusion, and of course, in more dire circumstances, hysterectomy. And if we're talking even more dire circumstances and we're not recognizing it and mom is hemorrhaging, of course, can potentially lead to maternal death. The fetal complications, on the other hand, it really depends on how quickly the neonate is delivered after the recognition of uterine rupture. And one study showed that there was a neonatal mortality rate of 2.6%, and this increases to actually 6% if the uterine rupture occurs outside of the hospital. And there's older literature that actually reports this rate to be as high as 13%. Um, And you can imagine why if you are actually rupturing your uterus and the fetus and the placenta is going into the abdomen, of course, they're not going to be getting any of you know, the circulation or oxygen that the fetus needs. And so certainly that is why we're at high risk for having neonatal morbidity. Um, And we also know that many neonates overall, even if they survive the delivery, they are going to require resuscitation and potentially admission to the NICU because of that potential hypoxic environment that they were in. All right, so that brings us to management then, Nick. So what should we do if we think that there's a uterine rupture? Yeah, I think, you know, I've probably said it on the show before, but an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, right? And so (laughs) really the best form of management is prevention of this or setting expectations. So starting with your counseling prior to labor and delivery. All patients who desire a trial of labor after cesarean section or other kinds of uterine surgery should be counseled about risks and benefits of TOLAC. Patients need to deliver at a location where there's labor and delivery staff, anesthesia staff, and neonatal staff who are available 24 hours a day and can facilitate prompt delivery if needed in the event of uterine rupture. Patients who are going to be at the highest risk for uterine rupture, um, again, classical C-sections, prior T-incisions, having had a prior uterine rupture, those who have had more than two prior cesareans, a history of a fundal surgery or significant myomectomy should really be counseled against trial of labor after C-section. We won't go all the way back into trial labor after C-section counseling, but remember we did do a whole episode on this back in 2019. We'll link to it in today's show notes. Um, And in that episode, I'll just make mention too quickly, the VBAC calculator that we used in the 2019 um, has changed. The new VBAC calculator does not include race as a predictor. We've covered that on the podcast before too, but we'll update the show notes today um, and give you a link to that new VBAC calculator that you can use in helping to counsel your patients. Buffet, let's say that we are there already and we've got a suspicion that uterine rupture is occurring. What do we need to do? Yeah, so the answer is just 
prompt delivery via cesarean section. Um, and it's very urgent. This is emergent. Um, most places, you know, the teaching for any type of emergency C-section, it means that it should occur within 30 minutes generally. But, you know, we're not saying that you should wait 30 minutes. We're saying that that is like the time limit that we should set on it. And you should get that patient to the operating room to do your C-section as soon as possible. The patients can be under general anesthesia if, or if they already have a working regional anesthesia, of course, that can also be used. And like we said, you know, um, when you do the C-section, if there is a uterine rupture, depending on the size and location of the uterine rupture, the neonate can often be delivered via the area of rupture without creating a new hysterotomy. However, if there is just a uterine window, then a hysterotomy may be needed at the time. And then once the baby is delivered, the pediatricians should be there immediately to facilitate any type of resuscitation that needs to happen. And then if that uterine rupture is confirmed, you really should do a full exam of the uterus to assess for other forms of injury. So you should be looking for things like, you know, at the bladder, is there potentially a bladder injury? Um, you should look at the broad ligaments as well. Is there some type of broad ligament hematoma? Has that ruptured kind of caused tearing into that broad ligament as well? Um, and then if possible, that area of rupture should be repaired as quickly as possible to prevent hemorrhage. But if it's not possible to repair the rupture due to significant damage to the uterus and the patient is not stable or if there's significant hemorrhage, then the next step should be to do a hysterectomy. All right, Nick, so, you know, as you can imagine, having a uterine rupture is most likely very, very traumatic, not just for us as providers, but definitely for the patient as well. So what type of follow-up should we do for our patients that have something like this happen? No, certainly. We've talked about on the show before, Faye, the importance of debriefing with these traumatic events. Um, and I think this is another example of where a debrief can be very helpful for the team involved in caring for a patient that goes through this kind of event. So this should occur. Um, and again, it doesn't need to be something that is super long or super overdrawn, but should review the fact, how is our emergency response, um, and check in on all of the team members and moving through this quickly. Once your patient's in a place where they can discuss what happens, again, many of these patients may need to be put under general anesthesia to facilitate delivery. Um, you should discuss with them what went on and, again, the sort of needs that took place during care. If they keep their uterus, um, you need to talk about future pregnancy. Now, uterine rupture is really a contraindication to future vaginal birth. Um, and I would think in some instances too, uterine rupture is honestly a contraindication to future pregnancy. Um, and so this is one of these things where if patients desire a future pregnancy, definitely TOLAC should not be attempted due to that increased risk of uterine rupture. All right, Faye. Well, I think that does it for today's espresso episode on uterine rupture. Once again, this is Nick. This is Faye. And this has been Creags Over Coffee. So guys, if you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and go on to your favorite podcatcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play. Give us a five-star rating and review. You can find us online on Twitter at CreagsOverCoff1, on Instagram and Facebook at CreagsOverCoffee, or if you love the show, head over to patreon.com slash CreagsOverCoffee. Send us some love and we'll send you some swag. You can find show notes for this show as well as all of our other episodes, as well as the Rosh Review Question of the Week on our website. That's at www.CreagsOverCoffee.com. And finally, if you have a question for us, a correction to this or any of our prior episodes, a suggestion, or just want to say hi, email CreagsOverCoffee at gmail.com.